This week on Just Like That, the number one Mike Goldberg-inspired podcast on the planet. We'll recap UFC 258, Usman vs. Burns, hit you with our segments, Isn't He Awesome, and Real World Callouts. And last but not least, we will preview UFC Fight Night 185, Blades vs. Lewis. Here we go. Here we go. We are back. UFC 258 in the books. We got Black Bees Fight Week coming up. Preview that. Recap UFC 258. Mix in some segments. Um, but first, we'll start things off as we always do with our take of the week. So, uh, Ryan, take us away. All right. My uh, my take of the week this week is uh, UFC. I feel like we're currently kind of at a low point um, with just big fights coming up and whatnot. And uh, I feel like just there's not a lot of hype for many big matchups coming up besides the Israel Adesanya versus yeah. uh, Jan Blackwitz. And um, I take kind of like, I think the UFC really needs Israel Adesanya to, to win this fight, become a two division champion in order to open up some potential uh, big fight headline pay-per-view type cards that are going to do a good amount of buys because right now we don't really have much else in the works. I mean, Connor's always going to draw, but he's losing some of his alert. Like he's not going to keep being the, you know, he's always going to be a big draw, but he's not going to keep being like as big of a mega draw as he is. If yeah. he, he can turn it around, which I don't know if he's going to or what, but, um, and besides that you got Khabib possibly GSP rumors, but you know how GSP rumors are. They almost never happen. Um, and yeah, I gave when, up on that. when you mix in GSP and Khabib saying he's retired, then, you know, that's just, uh, if it happens good, but I'm not going to hold my breath for it. So, um, you know, if Israel Adesanya loses, Jan Blackwitz wins. Like, I, I can't think of a single big matchup we're looking forward to, except for maybe John Jones moving up to heavyweight. So I think they, they got to put a lot of stock and really need an Israel Adesanya to get this victory and uh, open up some potential big matchups for him. Yeah. So just like, just like Connor losing being like worst case scenario, I had, the, I had a similar thought. John Jones moving to heavyweight right now is like worst case scenario because if he loses at heavyweight, I'm not saying that the super fight without Asanya is ruined or anything, but um, it's like it's it's not as appealing of a super fight. Them both being undefeated and possibly fighting each other at light heavyweight is like possibly the greatest fight of all time. So Adesanya's got to be Jan Blockwitz. That would be a catastrophe if he lost, obviously, for obvious reasons. And then John Jones is going to fight at heavyweight and uh, possibly lose. Like, I don't really know if I like those matchups for him either. So I think you're, I think it's just the tip of the iceberg. Adesanya losing is like first domino to fall. Not that they can't still make these fights, but yeah, what, what a nightmare. If, and like you said, this, that card, they really, they stacked that card to the brim. And that's going to be a, a great pay per view. But yeah, like you said, uh, as far as the promotion goes, if, uh, if Adesanya doesn't win that fight, that could be an absolute nightmare, similar to Connor losing, being like the like Dana's whole house of cards fell on his head that night because Khabib retired, Connor lost, everything just went. Uh, but I mean, Dustin Poirier is a way bigger star than Jan Blockowitz. Right. Yeah. Exactly. And that's not saying too much. I mean, and besides that, like we don't have any other 
any other big names coming up? I mean, Figueredo might be like next in line for, for draw currently. I mean, you got Peter Jan, nobody's watching him. You got Volkanovsky, nobody's watching him. Um, I mean, how Max Holloway is, he's a draw, I would say somewhat, but still Absolutely. not a huge draw. I mean, after his last fight, I think he might be more so now than he's ever been before. But yeah. uh, then we got Khabib's retired. Uh, but then, you know, the 155 division has some draws, but nothing like we're talking about like a million buy pay-per-view type deal uh, with Khabib retired. And then except for McGregor, really you got Poirier. He's not doing a million. He might do 500 K with a good matchup, but that's about it. I mean, Kamara Usman, he's proven that he's not a draw uh, as good as he is. Don't get me wrong. He's an amazing champion. Uh, probably one of the best the UFC has right now, but he's not selling pay-per-views. And then you got Asanya, who's obviously a draw. Jan Blackwitz, no chances to draw. And then you got Steve Bay, who's not drawing. And then the women's division, we don't even have to talk about yeah, that. They're, they're not drawn. Yeah, I mean, you just see kind of like a tough trend. They, they like, maybe they need to build more guys, or ESPN needs to build more guys like they did with Jorge Masvidal. That's probably the fight they're going to make now is Kamara Usman versus Jorge Masvidal too, which is, they're going to make the excuse that Jorge only had like a – a six day camp or whatever. And I mean, my take of the week coming up, I'm going to make a case for Usman, but um, like you said, it's hard. It's hard. Maybe they need to just start building more guys. Like they kind of are giving out a sign of the push, which he obviously deserves. They're giving Jorge the push because of the circumstances around. Like he just was the right guy at the right time. And then after that, they're, they're, just waiting for Conor McGregor to do whatever he's going to do. And they're just hoping and praying that it works out for them. So, yeah. And the other big problem is too, at other times in this, like when we've been at a low like this, there's been guys coming up that you could see becoming those big draws. Like Adesanya was coming up. You could see him becoming a draw. Um, Darren Till was coming up during the last lull. And he was like possibly on, on track for becoming a draw. It didn't work out, but there was guy, there was more than one guy who had potential to become a draw. And uh, right now I'm not really seeing anybody like, you know, in the top tens of any of these divisions that it looks like they're coming up. They could be, you know, the next superstar. Yeah, I, I definitely, I see what you're saying. Exactly. I guess, I guess the solution is to maybe try to build some more guys, but it's hard. I, I just, I, it, building a star in MMA is hard because all it takes is one bad loss or one inconvenient loss. And then all the steam is off. You got to, everything's got to go the right way for like a certain amount of time. You got to be in the right place at the right time. So the only um, potential mega draw I see possibly coming up, Francis Nagano, if he writes yeah. wrong in this next fight and knocks Steve's head off, like he did to Alistair Overeem or something, then you got, you know, potential superstar there. Like he's got all the makings. He got the backstory coming up from Cameroon. Uh, he was just on the Rogan podcast and he, he talked all about it, which is a really cool story. So he's got amazing backstory. He's got, you know, amazing power and puts on some insane performances. So, you know, but that's again, a heavyweight, like he could, you know, fall at any time. So, yeah. And Stipe could just, uh, Stipe could just outsmart him again for five rounds and um, nothing against Stipe, but like he, you can't even understand what he's saying. So it's hard. Uh, Nagano has like that uh, Mike Tyson allure to him where he's got like that invincibility almost type, uh, even though he's lost some fights, but he's like musty TV is basically, so hopefully, I mean, you have to think that Dana's pulling for him in that fight too, despite uh, Stipe being the champ for a long time. Oh, yeah. So, yeah, I see what you're saying there. And uh, part of what you said there with Usman, I'll make my case now. 
Uh, my take of the week, uh, Kamara Usman is uh, he's must see TV now. I have to give him credit. I, I think when he found his jab in that last fight against Gilbert Burns and his fight against Colby was obviously a super exciting fight. Pair that up with the fact that he's won so many fights in a row now. It's almost like you have to tune in just to see is anybody ever going to be able to beat him? And uh, it's kind of like GSP. You win so many fights in a row, or even Floyd Mayweather. You win so many fights in a row. It's like every time you win another fight, it's another stack, like another another domino stacking, stacking, stacking. And at what point is it going to fall? I mean, I don't know how many title defenses he's had. Maybe this this might be his second or third, but it just the way he's kind of like. Uh, I mean, he's he hasn't even really lost a round in how long, and. Uh, whether or not his fights turn out to be boring or not, like his last fight with Jorge Masvidal was a little bit boring, I guess you could say, and the foot stomps and all that other stuff. It's still getting to that like it's getting to that point where he's just so dominant that you just have to tune in to see what's going to happen, and uh, I think that's going to help build him. He's also fight fought twice twice in the last calendar year, which makes a big difference, or not calendar year, last twelve months, which makes a big difference for him because he wasn't fighting enough before. So basically, I just think that he's he's kind of we talked about him early in our podcast days, like early, early episodes when he wasn't fighting that. Like, how can he complain about anything when no one knows who he is? Like, there's no reason for anyone to tune in because no one knows who he is and his fights are boring and everything. And I think he's turned that around 100 percent and a ton of credit to his, uh, I guess, his new camp and everything, because he looked he looked really good on Saturday night. And uh, no one's going to accuse him of that of being a boring fight. Yeah, I think moving over uh, with Trevor Whitman over there, um, training in Denver was a good move for him. His striking looks good. He looks, you know, looks like he's really putting it all together. And yeah, that was his third title defense against Gilbert Burns there. Um, yeah, he doesn't lose many rounds. You're right. Um, besides that first round, I think he probably yeah. lost to Gilbert Burns. But I mean, besides that, he, he doesn't lose many. It's just the problem with him is you never know. Like, yeah, he's had a few exciting performances, but then he also threw the dud in versus Masvidal. So mm-hmm. it's like you got Colby Covington, an insane performance, then a dud versus Masvidal. Now a really good performance again versus Gilbert Burns. It's like it's like he, he doesn't know who he wants to be, really. It's just the problem is if he's worried about going to the ground with anybody, then he doesn't then he has an exciting fight. Colby Covington nullifies the wrestling. It's a stand up fight. Gilbert Burns, he was obviously scared to go to the ground with them. I think Gilbert yeah. Burns even said in one of the uh, pre-fight interviews with uh, Anik, like, this guy, you know, knows if we go to the ground, I'm going to submit him. I can submit him every which way. And you saw that. Like, he didn't follow Gilbert yeah. Burns to the ground at all. He just kept it standing. So um, when he has the opportunity to put on a boring fight, he does. You know, against Masvidal, he didn't take any chances. Just boring-ass fight because he yeah. knew that he could, you know, grind uh, Masvidal to a decision and win pretty easily. But when he does have to stand and stand and bang, then he puts on an exciting fight. So I think we're going to continue to see, you know, amazing performances like we saw Saturday night, along with boring snooze fest. Yeah. Well, when when the match just all depending on the matchup for him. Yeah, but do you think the fact that he's stacking these title defenses one after another, similar to how like GSP did, it's almost like the the stakes are getting higher and higher and higher. So whether if he has a boring performance and still wins, it's like another another notch, another notch, another notch. It's kind of like the, I just feel like the pressure, the pressure is building up more and more. And uh, I, it, he's just so dominant that even though I, I thought, and we'll get to it in the recap, I thought that first round Gilbert Burns looked phenomenal, but he has like that, 
that Khabib pressure where Gilbert was gassed out in three minutes like anybody else. So um, I don't know. I, yeah, like you said, I, I don't know if it's the moving camps. I don't know if it's um, like you said, uh, if he if he can't go to the ground and he has to stand, he's he is an unconventional striker, but he is powerful. And uh, maybe he's just getting more confidence in it, too. I have no idea. But um, there seemed like there was just a big turn in this fight, especially, at least in my my mind. Um, he's also terrible on the microphone. So that's the worst thing going for him is when you say you say you don't he doesn't know who he is in the in the ring. He doesn't know who he is on the microphone. Does he want to be tough? Does he want to be nice? Does he want to be? I mean, I, I, I get it because he probably just wants to just do his job and fight. But uh, you got to have a little showmanship in there one way or another to uh, to really build your brand. And, you know, that stuff, I don't really pay that much attention to it, but that really is a big part of selling yourself and making yourself uh, a draw. Yeah, it just, in my opinion, he just has a long way to go to, like, keep stacking title defenses before it becomes a draw like like GSP. Yeah. Uh, well, he's only at three up. right now. So it's either if he wants to sell pay-per-views, he either needs to come up with a shtick or he needs to, you know, start taking two, three fights a year yep. and uh, and make that happen. Yeah, and I would say, especially for the casual fan, he may never appeal to, like, the very casual fans, but um, as far as becoming more of, like, a household name creeping into that, especially, like, more serious fans, I think he's took a step in the right direction, I would say. Yeah, agreed. All right, then. Well, so we'll move on then to um, our recap of UFC 258. So we had, uh, let's see here. We'll start with the main event, actually. We had uh, we had Kamara Usman versus Gilbert Burns. This, like I said, this was a good fight. Um, Kamara Usman minus, finished at minus 265. I think we both, we both said last week like that. I mean, it sucks to bet a guy at 265, but your money's pretty safe. It's not a horrible, not a horrible line considering who the characters are. Um, I was a little nervous that first round. Gilbert Burns brought it to him. He landed some bombs. And I thought for the first two minutes and 30 seconds of that fight, I thought, wow, he's going to keep the fight standing and he's going to make, uh, he's going to expose Kamara Usman in the standup. And for the first two minutes and 30 seconds, that's what it looked like. He actually clipped him with a good one. Um, but like that pressure, that Khabib like pressure, Gilbert seemed like he was just, he seemed like he was pretty much spent after the first round. And uh, it was all downhill for him from there. Uh, Usman started landing that super powerful jab he's got, that super long, super powerful jab. And uh, Gilbert's chin just did not hold up. He ended up dropping him with a jab and putting him away pretty easily in the third round. But um, ended up at the end of the day, I would say dominant performance for Kamar Usman. Um, not a bad showing for Gilbert Burns, but um, still uh, another another good win for Usman. Kind of kind of cementing his uh, his dominance in the division. Yeah, definitely, uh, definitely a good performance for Usman. I thought. Um, you know, I like to see when a guy comes back like Usman did, you know, and, and fights through some adversity and whatnot. And he really showed that, you know, he's in there to stay and he's not going to go out easy. You know, so no one's going to come in and, and take take the belt easily from him. So, uh, yeah, good performance. Um, Gilbert Burns looked like he was uh, coming on strong. And then, yeah, he just uh, he gassed out and he got clipped and and he didn't he couldn't come back like Usman could. So. You know, I think he, all the steam was out. He thought he had the, you know, yeah. I think in the first round, he thought he had the belt. He was already, he thought it was over. And then, uh, 
you know, a lot of times when that happens, it's not good for, for, uh, for, you know, a challenger. Uh, especially, especially the challenger. It's, it just seems like you get, you almost get like one shot for everything to go perfect in these situations. And it looked like it was headed in that direction. Starting the second round, third round, he couldn't even lift his leg to throw a kick. He couldn't punch. He couldn't do anything. He was just getting stalked and uh, destroyed by jabs alone. Um, I don't know really what Gilbert's chin situation is like. I don't think he has a weak chin, but I don't necessarily think he's cast iron there or granite in the chin. But um, it was just an accumulation of damage. He was eating these shots and he was out of gas. Um, I bet I'm sure there's some level of like adrenaline dump, especially in a fight like this. And it's taken so long to get to it. But uh, Usman just looked, Usman just looked like he had all the experience in there. And Burns looked like he was ready for the moment, but overwhelmed pretty quickly. So, um, you know, tough loss for Gilbert Burns, especially. Cool story for him to make it run through 170 after basically being, what was he? He was in the 155ers for a long time, but. Uh, maybe he'll make it back. Maybe he won't. But again, it's all Usman right now at the uh, top of the welterweight division. So yeah, yeah. And there's, I wonder who the next matchup is for him too, because um, you know a lot of people are saying Maz, but a lot of people are. I'm hearing Wonder Boy uh, coming up quite a bit. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I don't know. I I I just uh, I think he still needs that you know that fight that sets him off, and uh, I think uh, you know maybe the best selling rematch. I don't know if he wants to give it to him, but it would be Colby Covington. Absolutely. Um, I mean, that's uh that was an amazing fight. The first time Colby Covington was a round away from winning it. You know, I think it was two, two going into that fifth round. And once again, Kamaru Usman, he, he shows up when it counts. So, uh, and battles through some adversity. So I think that would be possibly his, his best fight coming up, but I guess a Masvidal fight too. Uh, a lot of people, you know, he's gained so much traction lately. Uh, yeah, but I think that's just another boring performance. He's going to beat him exactly the same way he did the first time. Yeah, for sure. In my mind, there's I don't only... care if you give him two years to, uh, <laughs> you know, to prepare for it. It doesn't matter. Um, wow. uh, or a Masvidal barring, you know, a lucky punch or knee or something is not beating Kamaru. Uzen. I don't. Yeah. I see Kamaru winning that fight 10 out of 10 times. Um, the only fight in my mind, the only fight that I even am considering that makes sense is is uh, Colby two. The the second fight with Colby Covington. That's that's a real rivalry. That's a good rivalry. It's a good matchup, and they're they're the two best fighters in the welterweight division. As a Wonder Boy fan, I'd love to see him get the shot. Um, maybe there's something there, some matchup there, but um, Wonder Boy is not necessarily super easy to take down. But at the same time, you're not talking about a regular wrestler either. I just I don't know if it would go well for Wonder Boy, but I'd love to see it, just because I'm a fan. But the only fight in my mind that makes any sense at all is uh, the Covington rematch, and yeah, I and think it's you know gonna be Masvidal though. Who's sitting at home perplexed that why they're not in the title conversation? Michael Glass and Azad Chasia. He's he's just sitting at home <laughs> like, why is no one talking about me? I've got a huge win streak going. I'm so good. Uh, I'd submit Kamara Usman. No, you wouldn't. No one wants to see a fight. That um, that yeah. would be a boring fight. Yep. <laughs> All right, we'll move on. Unnecessary, unnecessary side shot at Michael Chiesa. <laughs> but we'll move on to uh, Macy Barber versus Alexa Grasso. Uh, I got to thank you for switching me at my pick last week, talking me into it live on the air. Um, I thought Macy Barber was going to kind of 
she's bigger. She's a lot bigger and like kind of has that bully fighting style. I thought maybe she'd be able to overwhelm Alexa Grasso. You talked me out of it. Wisely talked me out of it. Got me on Alexa Grasso. Um, so I, I did have her to winning the fight. She did win the fight. Um, two rounds to one, I believe. But um, she was just a far superior boxer. She was smaller. And I think in the third round when Macy Barber started coming on really strong, I think that if she would have started the fight like that, it, it maybe wouldn't have been a different story, but she would have had a better chance. Um, a lot of people rip on Macy Barber, but I do think she has potential because she is pretty aggressive and she is pretty powerful and she is pretty strong. Um, but she she just wasn't polished enough to beat Alexa Grasso in this fight. And uh, that was that was some of the best boxing I've seen in the women's MMA or women's any women's division at all, period, by Alexa Grasso. She was just out staying in the pocket and just she was just much sharper than Macy Barber was. Yeah, I don't know why people are still, you know, maybe not anymore, but uh, previous to the fight, they were still sleeping on Alexa Grasso. Every time I see her, she looks good. She looks like a really solid striker. Her only issue is stopping takedowns, which uh, I didn't think was going to be an issue versus Macy Barbara. I, I, you know, I don't think she, you know, has elite wrestling by any means, not like going to be like Carlos Barza and go out there and uh, win, a, win a decision like that. So, I mean, yep. I just thought you got Grasso being the superior striker. She has, you know, all the experience and you got Macy Barbara, who's a young up and comer, but I thought this fight was too much too soon for her. And, uh, I think that's uh, kind of the way it played out. And this this was probably the fight I was most confident in as far as like closer on the uh, the betting lines, you know. Yeah. Um, it was a I, it, I really like Grasso in this spot. It almost finished as a pick on Macy actually Macy Barber closes the favorite here. Alexa Grasso minus one oh five, Macy Barber minus one fifteen. That I didn't know that she, Alexa Grasso was the favorite the whole week. I did not realize that it closed. I saw a lot of people on Macy Barber in that fight too. And I just, I, I, I wasn't seeing it, but um, wow. almost had me question myself, but not really. Uh, I saw a lot of people on her too, but you, I, I, I went with you. I was not questioning it. You seemed confident last week. Uh, I've learned my lesson too many times. I just, when people lose to like Carl, I just, I know Carla Esparza is a good fighter and I know she's done a lot in the division, but when I see people lose to her, I just think like she's, she's like a gatekeeper to me. And I don't know. Yeah, I mean, she fights Carly her Sparza fighting style just, so ugly. Yeah, she just exposes everyone who who doesn't have the wrestling defense, the takedown defense that that's up to par. Uh, I mean, if you can stop her takedowns, you can beat Carla Esparza. If not, um, you're gonna have a rough night. Um, that's yeah. how it always goes. All these young, all these people that you know, strikers coming up in the women's division because a lot of them don't train wrestling. Let's be honest; like they're coming up as as strikers. They're not a they're not training um, wrestling when they're young. So they're trying to catch up. So when you got somebody who's, you know, been wrestling for a long time, like Carlos Barza, they're going to expose a lot of these um, women that are coming through the rankings. Yeah. You, you nailed it on the head last week when you pretty much broke it down. That's why I was, I was pretty confident as well, but this was a good fight. And like I said, I do think I, for, I don't know why people hate Macy Barber so much. I don't know if she said stuff or did something, but I don't know if it's just how she looks. I don't know, but, I did. I do see potential though, because she definitely, I mean, she's pretty ruthless in there. She throws some pretty heavy shots. If she could get to the point where she um, kind of dials it in a little more, she, she will have a good advantage based on size and power. But um, I don't know if it was ring rust or what uh, she was throwing jabs from 15 feet away that weren't even close. She was fighting ghosts for half the fight. 
And uh, you could just tell Alexa Grasso had a huge advantage as far as the stand-up pretty early on. So um, ended up going the way you said it would. And um, But it was a good fight. Yeah, definitely agreed. All right. Next, we had uh, Kelvin Gaslam versus Ian Heinish. Uh, Kelvin Gaslam finished in minus 177 favorite. Ian Heinish plus 157. In hindsight, and I think this is another one you nailed on the head. This is one of your picks, right? Yeah. Yeah. In I hindsight. This one, but I was a little, I wasn't super confident. Well, I was a little shaky on it just because of Calvin's We didn't know who was going to show up. But. but honestly, I don't really think a good version of Gaslam did show up. I don't think that, I don't think Kelvin Gaslam looked that good. Ian Heinish just also isn't that good. Um, Kelvin Gaslam, I feel like, is a guy that can almost beat Ian Heinish. Any version of Kelvin Gaslam beats Ian Heinish. He basically out wrestled him, he mauled him. And uh, his striking didn't look that great. He didn't look that – I mean, he really didn't land any solid left hands or anything that you expect out of a guy like Kelvin Gastelum to do. But he still dominated the fight, the whole fight, and got an easy win. I I, I don't know. Sometimes when a guy's like, kind of falling from their prime, it seems like, you almost take it a step further than you should. And uh, this – Kelvin Gastelum minus 177 is a great price. And uh, I – I didn't jump on it like I wish I would have. Easy to say now, of yeah. course. Yeah, exactly. We were kind of worried about what, um, you know, what Calvin Gassman would show up, but um, one good enough to get it done got showed up, I guess. But uh, yeah, I mean, I like Gaslam. He's been one of my favorite fighters, but yeah, I do think he's kind of on on the back half of his career right now. It seems like that Adesanya fight might have took the wind out of his sails a little bit. He might, we might never see prime Gaslam again, but um he's still going to go in there and get it done versus a lot of these mid guys uh yeah, like ian Heinish types but uh i i don't i don't know if we see him competing like he did in the israel adesanya fight against the top of the division you know the elite of the elites anymore yeah i yeah and i think you're i think you're i think you're right on with that um i just maybe i just was holding ian Heinish in too high of a regard or i was thinking that kelvin gaston was just maybe phoning in but a uh, good win for him again. I don't. I don't think he looked great. I think this may be this. I think Gaslam's a guy to keep an eye on. His the line. Whoever he fights next, the line will be interesting because I think people think, oh, this guy's back on track. We're back to prime Gaslam, and I don't know if that's the case or not. But um, I'm glad he got the win here, and he made it look easy. So uh, it was good to see him win, though. He was your first lock of the night to ever lose. Jeez, well, maybe one of the only ones. I don't think we've lost too many. Of them. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, and he lost in like a minute by leg lock. <laughs> they weren't even sweating. Hey, it, it happens. Yep. So uh, he redeemed himself. Next up, though, we had uh, Ricky Simone versus Brian Kelleher. Again, this was a fight that I thought maybe Kelleher was a live dog. Um, Ricky Simone's a guy that's gotten to um, no fade territory. I used to feel like he was a guy you could fade, and um, maybe, he'd, maybe he'd blow it or wouldn't put it all together. He did get knocked out by a 40-year-old Rye Faber. But he finishes a minus 250 favorite, Kelleher plus 210. Kelleher's a guy with some power, surprises you from time to time. But uh, this was all Ricky Simone. He busted up Kelleher pretty bad. Uh, he, he, won this, he won every second of this fight. It was not close. It was, uh, it was a full-on beating on the feet. It was a beating taking him down. Uh, left him with a pretty serious gash. He had to get stitched up. I saw a picture of it today. It was pretty gruesome. And uh, Ricky Simone just seems to be putting it all together. Um. I am no longer skeptical of him like I like I was for the longest time. I think his last few fights, he's pretty much proven. Even though he was, I mean, he was a he was an underdog 
against Ray Borg on the Smith to share card back in, back in May, almost a year ago now, or getting close to it. But I know he ended up winning by split decision, but it really should have been a 30, 27. And uh, since then, like, I, I just think he's, he's, he's a guy that's putting it all together and he's looked, uh, he's looked solid. And this was a mauling. Yeah, def- definitely looks solid. But Brian Kelleher, like, you know, we know who he is. He's he's not like a world beater by any means. He's, he's going to win some, you know, get some knockouts. He's got some power for that division. But, um, you know, he he's not elite. He's kind of he'll just a journeyman. He's going to be. Yeah, he'll surprise you from time to time. But other than that, you know, he's there. He's in there to uh, go against some of these young guys and see where they're at. Pretty much, you know, definition of a gatekeeper. But yeah, Simone seems Ricky Simone seems like he's putting it all together. Um, you know, pretty solid uh, fighter, I think. And uh, yeah, definitely ready for a, a step up, I think. Yeah, I'm, I and I would expect it to happen sooner rather than later. So from there, we got uh, Maki Patolo versus uh, Julian Marquez. This was a this fight started off the pay. This is the first fight on the pay per view. Um, Maki Patola plus 147, Marquez minus 167. And I think Patola won the first two rounds here. Marquez ended up finishing it with a choke, put Patola out. Um, these guys were just laying it on each other's chin the whole fight. I I knew going into this fight, I told uh, my dad was watching the fights with me. I said, it really doesn't matter how many shots they land. Neither one of these guys is getting knocked out. Uh, Maki Patola, especially, I think you could hit him with a sledgehammer. I don't think you can, I don't think he can be knocked out. But he can be choked out, and he did get choked out. Um, this was a super exciting fight. Both of these guys are all action. Um, good fight to lead off the pay-per-view. I think Marquez was coming back from, like, his first – he was out maybe, like, two years or something. Um, I'm hearing maybe Maki Patolo might be on the chopping block. He's lost a few in a row. And uh, he's taken a few beatings as well. But I don't know, man. He's he's all action in there, and I, I know they reward that. And um, I don't know. I mean, he's had some tough losses in a th- three in a row or so now, but uh, this was a, this was a fun fight. This was an exciting fight and a great comeback for Marquez. And um, I guess we'll probably be seeing more of him. I know, like I said, he was out for like two years and I guess he's all put back together. So good for him. Yeah, definitely. And I heard he, uh, he hit up Miley Cyrus or something in his post fight, huh? He did. And she replied and um, he, I think he might've fumbled. I think he might've, fumbled on the one yard line she oh, said something God. to him and he said something yeah i think he i think he fumbled on the one yard line but you never know man weird things have happened but <laughs> i think he screwed up his strategy with that one his fight strategy yeah. was good his his strategy off the court was not was not so uh that could that could easily be a call off of, of the week it's hard to explain basically she she said something to him on Twitter and then he like made a counter counter uh, offer to her or something. It was, I don't know. It's too hard to, it's too bit, uh, too like meta Twitter, but yeah, I mean, basically the last two days people have just been clowning him on Twitter saying that he, he screwed up, but he won his fight. Jeez. And uh, <laughs> Miley Cyrus gives you an offer. You take it. This ain't the shark tank. There's no yeah. negotiating. Here. That's what he's take it. Yeah, that's what he did. She told him to shave an MC into his chest and that whatever. And then he made some weird counter offer. I don't know. It's all it's all a little strange to me, but um shooting his shot. So I guess I guess you can't you can't blame him too much. 
but good win for him. None of this was all made possible by his win. So uh, he had to get it done in the octagon first. And uh, we'll yep. have to, we'll have to keep a, keep it updated uh, with how the rest of it works out for him. But yeah, that was a, that was an interesting twist on the night for sure. So from there, we'll move on. Adolfo Rivera versus Anthony Hernandez. Speaking of twists on the night, Anthony Hernandez plus 375 submitted Brazilian jiu-jitsu wizard Adolfo Rivera minus 470 favorite. Um, I did sneak in a quick Anthony Hernandez by finished prop. So I just wanted to brag about that for a second because Adolfo Rivera in the fights I've seen him win He's taken damage, and I thought maybe Anthony Hernandez would be able to knock him out. Did not expect him to submit him, and uh, he just he just gassed out. And everybody on the booth, DC, Anik, and Rogan were just like, "Oh, it's just a matter of time. He's going to get him and choke him out. He's going to get him and choke him out." And uh, Hernandez just kept getting out of the chokes. And I don't know before the first round was even over. Three minutes into the fight, Adolfo Rivera could barely stand up. Um, he ended up choking. I don't know if he. Anaconda choked him or what it was. But yeah, this was I think it was an Anaconda choke. One of the strangest gas out situations. I mean, Adolfo Rivera, he's he's Brazilian, so he's on steroids. Um, those are my baseless accusations. Plus, he's a jujitsu guy. Those are they're all on roids. Um, again, baseless accusation. Um, but he gassed out so fast. He's my suspicion is probably botched weight cut, or he's way too heavy to be fighting in the division and probably just takes too much out of him to get down to it. But uh, I was not expecting Fluffy Hernandez to uh, put away Hadolfo Rivera like that. And uh, he, yeah. he looked good doing it. I mean, he he survived the first two-and-a-half-minute onslaught of just uh, position switch, position switch, had him in a few bad spots. Every time he grabbed him, too, it was like the whole, the ta- the whole uh, desk was like, oh, it's over now, it's over now, he's got him now. And I don't think he ever really had anything that deep. And um, no, he didn't. Yeah, I went back and watched this one, and yeah, he did. And it wasn't that close to ever being finished as far as Vieira. But then once Anthony Hernandez had the upper hand, he, he took oh, it. Uh, I think he could have finished it a lot earlier if he just would have kept it standing. And, and, you know, but it seemed like he wanted that submission for some reason. I don't know if he bet on himself to win by submission or what, but he kept going for it when he, he just had to stand, up, stand him up and knock him out. Uh, but he got it done. I think I saw, I heard someone, I th- maybe it was Anik saying on uh, yep. Anik Florian podcast. I think it, Hernandez was like 30 to one to win by submission. So, yep. Um, yeah, that that's crazy. Yeah. You, you what don't... did, by the way, what did the, uh, what did Anthony Hernandez by finish pay? Uh, plus 600. Not bad. Yeah. Not horrible at all. And I expected a TKO. So I got lucky that I took the finish and not by knockout. Cause by knockout was like probably double that. But, um, you don't really see these guys get – you always hear, like, you're not going to submit this guy. He's a Brazilian jiu-jitsu black belt. You're not going to submit him. And that's usually the case, but uh, unless they get submitted by a better a better jiu-jitsu guy. But he he was just so tired. Like, I, he just wanted out of there. And uh, I felt like he, he won that fight that I saw against uh, uh, Safarov, but he got clipped and cut on his eye. This is why I bet him – this is why I bet the finish because – or about him to get TKO'd basically was because I've seen him take damage like this. That, that cut was so bad above his eye that they could have stopped the fight and Safarov, who's terrible could have won by TKO, but that's not what happened. Obviously they let the fight keep going because I think they thought that, uh, 
Vieira would eventually win it, which he did. But you only get so many of those. I was not expecting him to just absolutely gas him out and submit him, though. So that was probably the shock of the night. Um, I would have loved to have called that one or done any more than just – I told somebody right before the fight that I was in kind of talking to while the fights were going on. I was like, it doesn't really make sense that he's a minus 470 favorite because he hasn't really done that much. So that was about as close as I got to being on the case. But otherwise, man, it was just kind of shocking to see. And you love to see upsets like this. I don't care who it is. It's just fun to see. It's fun to see these upsets happen, which they do happen more often than like boxing, but they still don't happen that much. Yeah. Yeah, I always get to see it, underdog. That pretty much everyone was writing off. Uh, yeah. And uh, win in a performance like that. So, um, yeah, it was a good performance. Uh, good to see him win. I, I think we were uh, talking some shit about Anthony Hernandez on the podcast last week, but he came yep. through and proved us wrong. Let me just clarify that really quick. There was we we did kind of agree though. He looked worse than we than he probably is because he caught Kevin Holland like right at the beginning of like. Kevin Holland's come up so Kevin Holland made him look bad but Kevin we now we know Kevin Holland is as good as we as as good as we know he is now we didn't know he was that good then so we kind of we kind of uh you know just uh, a little bit yeah we we played both sides of the fence like we always do so then we can never be <laughs> wrong <laughs> exactly the old brown so, job yeah exactly this could happen or this could happen either way I'm right but um Last fight we'll talk about here, Bilal Muhammad versus Diego Lima. Um, another one nailed it on the head, Bilal Muhammad, minus 440. So we're not going to pat ourselves on the back too hard. Diego Lima finished a plus 250, plus 350, I mean. Never really was close in this fight, but he was landing a ton of really solid leg kicks. Um, Bilal Muhammad, first of all, one of the funniest guys in the UFC, one of the funniest guys on Twitter, one of the funniest guys on social media, one of the funniest guys in the UFC, period. But he's not a contender. I don't care what anybody says. He's not a contender. He's at best a gatekeeper. He's been given some very, very, very favorable matchups. He's a good fighter, solid everywhere, always has a good game plan, lots of pressure, good cardio. But some of these matchups he's gotten, he's just really never fought better competition. Am I yeah. like is, does it seem like that? Like I agree. He's got a, a good agent or something. <laughs> Uh, they're getting him in, him in favorable matchups and yeah, which it doesn't always happen. He's never really fought anybody that would take him down or anything. Pretty much just striking uh, matchups that he's usually got the upper hand in. Yeah. Minus four. He's the, he was almost the biggest favorite on the card. I mean, how, how does he like such a big favorite in every single fight? And they're always against not very good guys. Again, the only reason I'm the only reason I make that point and like, just immediately slander him as soon as we start talking about him is because I've just been hearing a lot of hype about him. Um, I know like the commentator guys and stuff we're talking about him and saying he needs to be fighting top 10 guys and this and that. I think a top 10 guy takes his head off. That's just me personally. Um, I guess I'll keep an eye on the lines because I kind of, uh, as far as if he gets a big matchup, I would definitely bet against him. Nothing personal. Again, I really like him, but it's almost, it's just crazy to hear him. Like he needs to be fighting these. It's similar. What I would compare it to is it's similar to um, what we heard with uh, Benil Darius, who actually should be fighting top 10 guys. And uh, yeah. Bilal Muhammad, not that different division, obviously, but not that. And Diego Lima is not Douglas Lima. So 
just not to be confused there. Diego Lima is not very good, all things considered. Again, he's not, I think he was on a winning streak too, but just didn't look too super confident in there. Yeah, no, I definitely agree. So, other than that, um, I got I lost. I had a bet on Mallory Martin. She got armbarred from guard. So, it's always uh always got to throw those out there <laughs> when happens. they happen. You always got to throw that out there when it happens. Honestly, I just bet against Pollyanna Viana because she's not very good. But you know that armbar from guard is always live. Um, Chris Gutierrez looked good. Uh, other than that, yeah, I mean, this is a pretty solid card. There's a lot of good fights. Honestly, could have been a fight night, all things considered. But um, yeah, whatever. it was a fight night with, uh, uh, you know, with the title fight on top of it. Exactly. They didn't give Usman much much help selling this card. That's for sure. <laughs> Yeah, that's not the guy you want to leave to on his own to, to carry a card. But that's kind of what they did. I, I mean, I don't know. It's just – it's kind of tough right now. They have – they've put out some – they've cranked out a lot of cards, and they've cranked out quite a few that – they've cranked out some really, really good fight nights, and quite frankly, this fight night coming up is pretty good. And then they've cranked out some pay-per-views that were kind of like, who's paying for this? But – um Anyway, it was uh, it, top of the card was all great, so I'm uh, I'm all good with it. Uh, Usman again, I think he kind of proved his proved his spot, and uh, otherwise, I'd say it was a, a, a successful night. So definitely. So then we'll move on from there to our segments here. You, you know, you, you know what, you know what Connor told me. He says I want Khabib in Russia. <laughs> he fucking awesome he's like i want khabib in russia yeah connor mcgregor is a fucking unicorn there's nothing like him and uh he's 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 working on boxing floyd mayweather and then he's talking about khabib in russia right after it's just those are the kind of things that make that kid a fucking superstar you know i got guys telling me "Eh, i don't want to do you know fucking i don't want to fight this guy and i don't want to do this I want Floyd Mayweather and I want fucking Khabib in Russia. How do you not love him? How do you not love Conor McGregor? All right, we'll start with uh, Isn't He Awesome. And uh, I think I had you go first last week. I'll start this week. My Isn't He Awesome this week is uh, the Darren Till and Mike Perry Instagram Live. If you haven't seen it, you can go watch it on YouTube. Um, I don't know what sparked this. It was about a nine or ten minute conversation. I don't know. I'm sure Darren Till started it because he kind of just screws with Mike Perry a lot. And that's how it started out. They were, they were Instagram living, kind of clowning with each other. Seemed to be way more civil than they've been in the past. I mean, Darren Till's always joking, but sometimes he gets under Mike Perry's skin, but then it evolved into like a serious, like almost a heart to heart conversation. And uh, I don't know. It's just a, it was probably the best thing I've seen in, in MMA this whole past week, just kind of, they were just talking about, I mean, Darren Till was basically giving him advice, but it was a two-way conversation. Let's be honest, though. I mean, Darren Till is a far superior athlete to Mike Perry. We love Mike Perry, but we've had to distance ourselves from him a bit. But um, all reality, Darren Till is a far superior fighter. He's a far better athlete. He's a uh, obviously takes the sport way more seriously. And I thought he was giving Mike Perry great advice. He was telling him like basically giving him advice on his camp. He was showing Mike Perry his like apartment that he lives in while he's in camp away from his family. Um, Talking about like what he needs to work on. It was all sound advice. And I mean, he was clowning with him too. And basically saying like, 
they ever do fight, he'll basically whoop his ass, which probably would, of course. But um, I don't know. If you haven't seen it, I'm, I'm not going to be able to, like, explain it in Darren Till's words because, he again, he's also one of the funniest guys and out there. And uh, it was just a – it was a solid nine-minute video. And uh, Dan, Dan Hooker actually tweeted the next day if they made Darren Till and uh, Mike Perry the ultimate fighter coaches – it'd be the most watched season in, in history. And I got to say, I agree. Yeah. Yeah. I agree too. That's what they need to do. If they need, if they're going to resurrect the ultimate fighter, like they've been talking about, like, well, yeah, let's, let's go for like some straight reality TV type setup with the coaches <laughs> instead of like going for champions and stuff. Let's just yeah. uh, give them the most ridiculous coaches possible. And that'll be some much wa- must watch TV. That would be, it really would be incredible. Do you think that they have, just as a side note, do you think that they have coaches? Because they keep talking about, now we're down to, it's for sure welterweights. But I, I feel like there's probably six guys in the mix and they're they're just scrambling to kind of um, hammer out the details because I don't think they really have it set yet. Yeah, I don't think, I think the problem is no one wants to do it. Yeah. I mean, I, I think that's the problem. There's not, I, yeah, exactly. I think so that, that would lead Darren Till and Mike Perry to being like perfect candidates for this because, uh, I mean, nobody wants to do it. They want, you know, champions, basically. They think that's the draw to get, like, you know, the elite of the elite. Nobody wants to do it anymore because it's not it's not what it once was, like, let's be honest. Yeah, and it's, uh, it's not going to really help you much. Yeah, it's definitely a burden more than anything. Then you got this fight that, you know, it takes forever to build because you got to do this whole show first and whatnot. And, you know, you got to go s- stay in Vegas and do whatever. So, um, yeah, I think uh, definitely I think it, it – you know, you could probably get Till and uh, Perry to sign on the dotted line to do something like that. And I think it would be, you know, a lot more interesting than uh, anything else they're going to put together. Yeah. I mean, they finished, they finished the Instagram live as friends. I mean, they were, they were having a heart to heart about uh, Mike Perry's last fight against Tim Means. And Darren was telling him, he's like, I know you're a better fighter, but I just don't think you took it very seriously. He's like, I know, I know, man. And then he's telling him like how you got to train. Cause Mike Perry's talking about, he's just had a kid and everything. And he doesn't want to leave his family and it was just, it was a nice conversation but those two would be electric as a uh, ultimate fighter coaches um i don't have i wouldn't have any problem with mike perry being a coach he's unstable but i think he knows what he's doing i think he could i think he could coach just fine so i'm all for it i'm uh, i'm uh, with dan hucker there so let's get that done but yeah that was yeah. my uh, isn't he awesome for the week i think that was a uh, it's worth checking out as a nine minute video and it's all on youtube yeah, I mean, previous to Mike Perry's last fight, he, he did run uh, the camp all by himself and put out a, a pretty good win. So, um, yeah. yeah, maybe he's got what it takes. God, that's. The f- but who's gonna be who's gonna be the coaches? His uh, his girlfriend, <laughs> <laughs> like that. You know, they always bring in the the help and whatnot. They're gonna. Yeah. He's gonna. You have, know what? Uh, the the ultimate fighter, coaching the ultimate fighter, might be the best thing that ever happened to Mike Perry because if they forced him to use certain coaches and do certain stuff like they might i don't know it, it would either go down in flames or it would be the best thing that ever happened to him and either way it would be electric tv yeah agree let's make it happen uh, yeah I'm, I'm with you all right so i'll take it away here uh just kind of piggyback off your uh take of the week earlier i think uh kamaro Usman's my isn't he awesome uh, like we were saying he's just uh kind of cementing himself as you know um potentially in the running i feel like you know every time we get a welterweight champion there's always talk like, is he the goat like people were pushing tyron woodley as being the goat obviously yeah. gsp is by far um and now kamara Usman, he he's on his way to to building those talks up as well 
Um, and, you know, I think he's got a much better shot at it than, uh, than uh, Woodley ever did. Um, and yeah, he, I, I feel bad for him. I feel like a lot of people just, uh, you know, shit on him. We shit on him sometimes. Um, but he, he is the, you know, the elite of the elite at, at that division. He, um, brings it all, brings it out on, on fight night all the time. He's putting on some good performances now and, uh, yeah, he's just, uh, been killing it lately. So want to, uh, you know, we don't always give him some love, but wanted to give him a little bit, uh, on this episode. Yeah. I mean, I think we're reasonable though. Back last summer when we were talking about him, he was complaining that he doesn't, he was just basically complaining that he doesn't get any push almost is what it sounded like. And he was complaining that he doesn't get paid enough and complaining about all this stuff. It's like almost all of it was in his control. And then I think he got that fight with Masvidal. I'm sure he made good money off that. I'm sure that changed his attitude a little bit. Um, he's terrible on the microphone. That's, I mean, that, that's, you're basically giving him a shout out here and I'm basically re-tearing him down, but he's terrible on the microphone. That's what hurts him. But, he's kind of like making his care, making who he is known a little more. So it's like almost, you almost get used to it, but there's no denying in the octagon that he is, uh, I mean, he, he's clearly probably second place for welterweights. I would have to say, wouldn't you say, I mean, he's not close to GSP yet, but he's probably the second best at the moment ever. Yeah. 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 Agreed. Definitely. And I, I think for Kamaru Usman, like my advice I'd give him is you got to know who you are basically. And you know, you're not going to be that trash talker like Colby Covington to self fight. So you gotta, you gotta lean into what you do best. If you're, you know, the dominant champion, you gotta just lean into that, shut your mouth and just go out there and win fights. Um, yeah. you know, if you want to go push it the other way, then, then go coach the ultimate fighter and make a fool of yourself, you know, <laughs> but just definitely just, you know, know who you are and then do that. And, uh, and I think that will take them forward quite a bit. Yeah. And let's hope we, let's hope we get that. Cause, uh, definitely good for the sport. So I think it's like kind of a curse of the welterweight champion. They always think that they deserve more than they, than they have or whatever, you know, like Woodley, he spent his, oh spent God. his entire reign as champion complaining about, about how he wasn't respected enough. And then Kamara Usman started it off that way, but um, I haven't been hearing that much from him lately. I think he's kind of maybe kind of felt that, you know, hate coming back from the fans and decided, you know, change this up. I don't want to, you know, go the route Woodley went. And uh, I think it's working for him. So I think he's starting to, uh, you know, get some support behind him and get going. Yeah, a huge payday might have helped too when he beat when he got that fight island against uh, Masvidal. That might have helped change his team. Yeah, but Woodley, Woodley got those big paydays and then he was thinking well, Dana one minute and then, you know, two months later he was back to, uh, you know, UFC doesn't like me because whatever reason. He's, uh, he's not, yeah, he's not going to be Woodley. <laughs> I don't think... <laughs> I don't think he's ever going to get go that far. Um, we may never see another Woodley, but hopefully uh, Woodley's a one of a kind. So uh, I, I think I think Kamara's kind of rounding it out. And um, yeah, I think he's going to be the champ for a while too. So he'll have plenty of time to uh, formulate his uh, strategy. So uh, from there, you want to move on to our call outs. Um, I'll go first. I actually have three, but I'm just going to kind of touch on two of them. Number one, the weather, unbelievable. I know uh, living in Arizona, you can go on vacation to the snow and enjoy it. But the rest of us, we're, this is our life. Like I, I basically dug Lake Tahoe out of my, uh, out of my driveway this morning. Like I dug out a ski slope just to get my car out. So um, that's been brutal. I know it's worse in certain places, but Illinois is, was hit pretty hard. 
and that sucks. Uh, number two, Bill Gates. Um, I know he wants to put microchips in us. I know he wants to track us. I know he wants to do population control. I know he's the head of the Illuminati. None of these things bother me that much. Do your thing. But today he said that he wants to switch from beef to synthetic beef and get rid of regular beef. No human, nobody's going to eat beef, only synthetic beef. And that is where I draw the line. Um, you're not taking away my beef. That's the most absurd thing I ever heard. And um, this is like, this is where I, it's just, this is where I draw the line. Like all the other stuff is whatever you want to control the weather, do your thing. You want to do put microchips in us, whatever you want to do all the vac invent the vaccines, whatever, but don't try to take away our beef. That's just crazy talk. Trying to make us all soy boys. He's trying to make us all eat beyond burgers. I, he just said synthetic beef. I don't know if he's talking about the beyond meat stuff or what, but again, I don't care. Or is it like those clone clone, like where they grow like meat in laboratories? That's like actually like meat, but yeah, he said synthetic beef. So um, I'm not doing any more research into it. I'm a straight up red meat eater and uh straight up carnivore. I'm not, you're not turning me into a soy boy, Bill, trying to make me into a soy boy, like a, like you are and all the, all the tech geeks around you. So, um, that's yeah, just look at him. Oh he yeah. Needs a, he needs a steak, man. Exactly. That little yeah. He's a dweeb. He's a little dweeb. Yeah. He doesn't know what red meat's for, but anyways, uh, just wanted to touch on that one. My last one, I sent this to you today, but Bisping asking for streams again, caught in the act. If uh, Dana White wants to tell people that he's shutting down streams and killing streams, he better get his own employees in line because Bisping is out thirsting for streams on Twitter again so he can watch Paige Van Zant fight in bare-knuckle boxing. Um, not the first time I've caught Bisping asking for streams. So, I mean, is your desk job, your cakewalk desk job that pay, the UFC pays you and your fight career not enough to pay – I think that bare knuckle thing was like 30 bucks pay-per-view. Just buy it if it means yeah. that much. I got a I got a theory. I, I texted this back, but I think it's it's all Dana playing him. He's all under the Dana's hand trying to root up the stream so he can go and shut them down. So I think it's Dana's like Bisbing, put out another one of those tweets. Let's see if yeah. we can get a few more uh streams to shut down. Yeah. The, he fit Shab laid out the blueprint all those years back when he uh when he was asking for streams and getting them shut down. Oh, just because he's stupid. Um, but now we got uh we got we got Bisping now uh running the same running the same uh running the same scheme on us, but I mean is Bisping also a horny MMA fan for trying to watch Paige Van Zant? Definitely. Definitely it's like take your one eye and go watch a paid for um and, and stop asking for illegal streams. It's it's ridiculous. Yeah, call customer support. Maybe you can get it for half price since you only get to see half of it because you only have one eye. <laughs> I was thinking the same thing. Anyways, this being asking for streams, I, I'm I'm on his case. And the worst thing is, the most egregious thing is all these dorks that line up to send him streams because they think they're good, because they'll get a like from Michael Bisping. Literally, you could tweet anything at him and he'll like it. So stop a. Uh, Stop uh, working so hard. Stop doing so much just for a little, just for a tiny, tiny bit of Twitter clout. So anyways, that's my call out. I got uh, the weather, Bill Gates and uh, Michael Bisping, who I've called out several times now, but this one is, this one's the worst and the, the longest, uh, the longest standing one. So 
Uh, who do you got for us? Yeah, this week I'm gonna I'm calling out myself. Uh, this is the first pay per view or really card in a long time that I didn't watch most of the fights. So, as uh, Alex, as you talked said briefly there, I was in Tahoe for the weekend and I went snow or skiing. Not cool enough to snowboard anymore. Last time I went, I fell and broke my rib. So figured I'd take <laughs> it easy on the skis. And I I don't care if it's uh, if it's not cool. I, I'm a skier for life now. It's much easier. Uh, it's a lot more fun just going down the mountain without falling every time. So I'm going to be skiing for life, even if it is for dorks or old people <laughs> or whatever. Um, but, uh, yeah, so it caused me to miss most of the fights. I was out there, I had to return the skis and everything. So I didn't get back until the pay-per-view and then the internet was shit. So I didn't really, it kept cutting out, didn't get to watch most of it. Um, but, uh, yeah, so that's probably why I was a little lackluster on the, uh, on the recap this week. Cause I didn't really get to see much. Yeah, and let me uh, defend myself. If anyone thought I was carrying on too long in the in the recap, I was informed of this beforehand. So I was trying to lay everything out in case I was also filling Ryan in at the same time. So um, in case that went a little long, which it, it very well may have. But again, yeah, you, you almost never miss fights. So um, you can go on vacation once in a while and not really have to worry about it. You know what I mean? Not the yeah. end of the world. Not the end of the world, Definitely. but how the many skiing did you like a dork? <laughs> yeah, I think it's the skiing that's bothering you the worst. But how many <laughs> of the fights did you go back and rewatch? Um, just one. I just watched uh, Vieira versus uh, Anthony Hernandez, and then I saw parts of the Usman versus Burns, Macy Barber versus Lex Grasso, and Calvin Gaston versus Ian Heinish. Um, but it kept cutting out. So, oh, yeah. um, saw, well, saw some of those, still- but. You could call it ESPN Plus every week. I was on Twitter and I saw tons and tons of people that were having a ESPN Plus issues again and again. I had them a couple of weeks ago. So, so yeah, I mean, call yourself out once in a while. Keep yourself in check. Nothing wrong with that. Luckily, I had nothing better to do. So, I, uh, I watched every single fight and uh, didn't take notes. But, I mean, it's pretty easy to remember the good ones. So, um, we I think we had it covered. I think we... Other than the fact that you're a skier, I think everything else, <laughs> I think everything else worked out. Yeah. Again, I, I've never been skiing or snowboarding, so I can't really say much except like little it's hills fun. in the backyard. Yeah. I mean, when you live in Illinois, where, like I said, I pretty much dug a ski slope out of my driveway this morning, I really have no desire to go on vacation somewhere where it's also cold. So, it wasn't that bad. I was, uh, it was like relatively warm for being out there. I mean, I, I was kind of bundled up, but, uh, had to take off like my unzip the jacket and stuff. It was like 40 or so, uh, on Saturday over there. So it wasn't too bad. Wow. Yeah. It was seven and when here. you're up and moving around and, and you know, it, it wasn't bad at all. It was hot. I felt hot if anything. Well, it was seven degrees and sunny here today. And I started feeling warm when I was shoveling, <laughs> uh, first time we've had sun in a while. So yeah, I mean, just, uh, I guess it's all just relative to what you're used to. So, um, anyhow, we'll move on then to our preview here. Um, we got UFC. Let's, I'm trying to find the real name of it. UFC Fight Night 185. Blades versus Lewis. Big Black Beast uh, podcast here. Also a Curtis Blades podcast. Um, obviously, Black Beast is like our guy, day one guy. Um, we'll start with that fight here. Um, Curtis Blades is all the way up to a minus 420. Black Beast plus 335. I just uh, 
Love Black Beast, but I just don't know what he... I mean, other than landing a bomb on Curtis Blades, this is... I mean, minus 420, it's kind of crazy, but this almost like... It's almost a handmade fight for Curtis Blades to win here. I'm not t- heavyweights. Anything can happen. Um, hard to take Derek, Derek Lewis. You take him down, he can just get back up, usually. But uh, Curtis Blades is a pretty good wrestler. Unless he can milk him. Unless he can withstand him to the fifth round i don't think i mean i don't even think gas tank will be an issue i don't i think curtis plays wins this fight pretty easily and uh disappointing to say and see but um i just don't see any way black beast pulls it out he surprised me before maybe he'll surprise me again but i don't see any i just don't see any path to victory here um are you gonna be able to talk me out of that are you gonna be able to switch me Uh, on this one i i'm not i'm not necessarily disagreeing with you but i kind of don't agree with you at the same time. It's like, I, I see what you're saying. I can, I can see this fight. It's a five round fight. This is what we got to remember though. Um, and, uh, you know, we got Curtis blades. He's going to be shooting the takedowns, probably going to be dominating early. But as we saw with the uh, Volkov fight, we know black beast, he's hard to keep down. So he's going to keep getting up and, uh, and Curtis blades is going to get tired. He got tired in that Volkov fight. And guess what? If, if that fifth round happens against black beast, I think he's putting him out. So, you know, Volkov couldn't get the finish in that uh, in that fifth round. But I think that uh, if you if you put uh, Derek Lewis in that same fifth round, he he wins this fight. Um, also, another thing going for Derek Lewis is we see who you know Blades' his kryptonite is Francis Naganu, just overwhelming him from the start. Black Beast has potential to do that. He does he doesn't usually do that, but he has come out recently hot in some of his recent performances and been throwing flying knees and kicks and, yeah, I was gonna say. and what so he could come i think his his strategy is if i'm black beast i'm gonna try and overwhelm him early and get a quick finish like uh francis nagano has been able to do if that doesn't work i'm going to just let him take me down not try to get back up immediately but get make him work i'm gonna make him uh, i'm gonna get back up and just kind of try and you know rounds two three four just kind of make him work, make Curtis Blades uh, gas out, and then go after him in that in that fifth round when he's uh you know just completely gassed as we saw in the Volkov fight. So I think there is a path to victory here for uh, for Derek Lewis. I don't know if it's you know if it's a great path to victory, but um, I think it's something he could potentially pull off. Yeah, I like the optimism. I'm gonna. I mean, you talked me into being a believer in possibilities. Um, I wonder if the gas tank will come into play again. I think either that's maybe. I mean, he shot like 25 takedowns on um on uh, Volkov. I wonder. I wonder if he'll need that many against Lewis. But I, I. I mean, he can always throw that right hand. He can always land that right hand. Like you said, Curtis Blades Kryptonite is uh, Francis Ngannou, and maybe you could just say powerful, overwhelming strikers. Maybe MMA math. Derek Lewis beat him. Exactly. MMA math. So. Derek Lewis is a lock. All right. I love it. <laughs> not, that's not an actual lock. Um, right. Just to let everyone know. Well, I, I think Curtis Blades would probably win it, but I'm just saying it's not out of the realm of possibility for, for Derek Lewis to possibly walk away with a victory. Uh, we've seen him carry his power late in the fights that he's been yeah, getting dominated. That's him. a fair point. And, and, uh, and yeah, I think, uh, you know, it's, it, there's definitely potential for Lewis to, uh, to pull this one out and what may seem like a miracle, but um, I, I don't think it would be a big surprise if he does get a late finish. All right. Well, I like it. Uh, bottom line is these are two guys that I like um, two good fighters in the heavyweight division. 
two exciting guys. I mean, I know some people think Blades is a snooze fest, but I think I think Blades when he gets guys on the ground is pretty it's fun to watch. Um, I don't know about his his strategy against Volkov that he squeaked by and won, but some of his other fights where he's really just ground and pounding guys like Alistair Overeem and stuff that's just been pure violence. But um, so obviously, like I said, Blades four twenty, Derek Lewis three thirty five plus three thirty five. Um, I guess it'll be interesting to see. So, uh, but we'll move on to uh, Ketlin Vieira versus uh, Yana Kuntiskaya or as I call her, Mrs. Uh, Thiago Santos. And uh, Ketlin Vieira is <laughs> minus 270. Kuniskaya is plus 230. Um, how when was her – she fought recently. She had a – didn't she have a fight against – didn't she fight for a title at one point? Am I making that up? Uh, I think she did. I think she fought uh, Cyborg. Um her first fight in the UFC, yeah, for the featherweight belt. Oh, yeah. Um, see. Yeah, she did fight Cyborg. That's right. Okay. So, yeah, I mean, I don't really know what uh, – I guess I, I guess take it away because I don't really know what uh, what I'm looking for in this fight really at all. Yeah, I think we're, we're going to see uh, Ketlin Vieira get the win here. I think she's a superior uh, fighter. Um, she's, uh, you know, decent on the ground. Um, she's big for the division. Uh, she's pretty strong. I think she'll, uh, she'll beat, uh, Kunis guy on the feet as well as, uh, on the ground. Uh, I think it should be a relatively easy win for Ketlin Vieira. Um, and, uh, yeah, she should look pretty good doing it. I mean, Yana Kunis she, she's not great. Let's be honest. Yeah. That's um, what my thought was with her. She is, she is bigger for the division as well, but, um, uh, I, I just don't think she's got what it takes to, uh, you know, to beat, um, Ketlin Vieira, who's looked pretty good as of recently. Yeah, she she has, and I like I said, I I never thought that uh, Kuniskaya was good. I remember her title fight being very underwhelming, although she was like a plus seven hundred. But um, yeah, I'm not really huge on any of these fights. To be honest with you, um, most of them the betting line's not too close on, and it's kind of just big favorites and uh, kind of mismatches, I think. But um. Yeah, maybe we'll see a, a little bit of value on some of them. I think this next fight is. I was gonna say, I think there's a couple decent spots as far as uh, as far as maybe some maybe we saw some veterans get destroyed by up and comers, but maybe there's some spots where some um, veterans might be able to pull some crafty ones on some up and comers. And the next one, Alexi Olenek, the ball constrictor versus Chris Dawkins, the brother keeper. Um, Alexi Olenek plus one forty, Chris Dawkins minus one sixty. Um, don't get me wrong, Chris Dawkins has looked really good, um, but uh, Alexi Olen- Olenek is a – I mean, he is a savvy veteran, and he may have had some, lo- some knockout losses, but he can take a beating for a sustained amount of time before he does go out, and he's only fought the best of the best. Chris Dawkins has looked good, but I, this is a big test for him. Yeah, this is a big test. You're right. Um, I, I – I keep thinking I'm leaning Olenek, but then I, I keep thinking, you know, I think Dawkins has what it takes to to beat him up on the feet. We've seen Olenek um, not really do well in the stand-up. He does throw some bombs, and he can get, uh, you know, some knockouts that way. Uh, but his he's pretty plodding, um, slow, and uh, not great on the he's feet. But once he gets it to the ground, he's dominating, you know. He, uh, he's got some good submissions for a heavyweight. And uh, I think the big question mark is how, how is Chris Dawkins on the ground? 
Uh, we haven't really seen him have to go to the ground in any of his uh, fights in the UFC so far. Um, so that's kind of a big question mark. Um, but, but, you know, that's kind of where this one, uh, this one lies for me. And I just, uh, I don't know. I don't have the information really to, to say if he's going to be able to, uh, you know, nullify uh, Oleski Olenek on the ground or be able to have good enough takedown defense to keep it standing. Um, Olenek, I think he should. Chris Dawkins, he's younger. He's more athletic. Um, I think he should probably be able to keep this on the feet and stuff Olenek's takedowns. Cause let's be honest, Olenek, he, it's not like he has superior wrestling, like, you know, amazing wrestling to get this to the ground. Um, so I think if Dawkins is able to keep it standing, he should be able to piece Olenek up as, as plenty of people have and, uh, and beat him. Olenek's just, you know, he was already old. He's getting older every fight. Um, and, like uh, fights. and yeah, <laughs> and his knees look shot. He, you know, he's, he kind of looks like, you know, like an old man walking out there. And uh, I think uh, Dawkins should be able to expose him just by, uh, you know, staying away from the takedown, keeping it on the feet and kind of piecing him up. But if it goes to the ground, it, it's probably all Olenek. So uh, it's just kind of an interesting, interesting matchup there. Yeah, I mean, I think, I, I think I'm going to make a small play on Olenek. Um, I, I just – I've seen him get almost every fight down to the ground at, in some way or form early on. Um, the only thing that kind of disadvantage is that Chris Dawkins is a really fast starter. He basically just flies across the octagon. He's a, uh, Chris Dawkins is like a, is like a athletic guy that just got fat. So he's like got speed and power and he's quick and, uh, he's athletic, but he, he has the heavyweight body and, uh, that I think will be an advantage for him. Um, I don't know. I, I, I just, I love when the boa constrictor has upset wins i just love to see it so i'm i'm hoping for it nothing against chris Dawkins, but um i love seeing alexi olnick old man olnick pull it out and uh if the if the fight does go past one round i love seeing olnick in his corner laying on his back with his legs up on the cage i don't know what it's almost like he takes a one minute nap or something um yeah i mean the guy's just got all the tricks up his sleeve he's got almost 100 fights i think he was stabbed he used to fight in uh tournaments that were like three fights in a night and win them. So um, we'll see what happens. I mean, like this seems like a trap fight though. This seems like Chris Dawkins has all the momentum. He's definitely going to steamroll through. This is his first big test. He's going to steamroll through it, but we've seen guys run into these veterans before. And um, there's an even bigger example of it coming up with uh, Aspinall versus uh, Arlovsky, but we've seen guys run into these veterans and they just got some, they got some, some crafty tricks for them. So uh, I guess I'd say, fi- I, I guess I'd say I'm undecided at the moment, but I'd like to lean towards Olnick for the value. So um, we'll move on though to uh, Phil Hall, Phil Hawes versus uh, Nas- Nazaruddin Imanov. That is, um, let's see here. I just had it up. We've got Imanov is a, Plus 105, Phil Hawes at minus 125. Phil Hawes looked really good in his last fight. I don't think it lasted more than like 30 seconds, but it was uh, – he's looked good ever since his uh, contender series fight. I know he had some – he had a Bellator fight too, but um, he's looked good out there. I mean, he just looks like – this might be a rescheduled fight, if I'm not mistaken. I'm not sure, but – Yeah, it is. It, it fell off. I think Imovov might have had COVID or something uh, right before the last fight, but it's back on. Um, and you're mentioning Phil Haas looked really good, but so has Imovov. Um, That's true. He uh, he beat the caveman Jordan Williams, uh, kind of pummeled him. Um, 
uh, not too long on that uh, home versus Aldana card yep. um, in October and uh, looked really good doing it. So I, I, I don't have a side yet on this one. I think it, it the betting line's pretty much 50-50, and I think this really is 50-50. These are, I think, really good matchmaking, two young up-and-comers, um, and uh, we're going to see who the real deal is in this one. All right, so, yeah, the, the line is close. You can't really go wrong with whoever you think is going to win. Um, next, we got Andre Arlovsky versus Tom Aspinall. Uh, Frank Mears, British son, identical British son. Um, Arlovsky's plus 200, Aspinall minus 240. All things, all indications are that Tom Aspinall should win this fight. His first, again, his, his first big test over a guy who's been there, done that kind of like a gatekeeper type situation. And, uh, but again, plus 200. Andre Arlovsky, I know it looks like his chin's gone and uh, he's pulled out some wins in recent memory that are just, he's, he's really killed some guys' momentum and his chin has held up at times when you wouldn't think it would. He's almost like Overeem. He's almost like a gatekeeper version of Overeem where you're like, oh yeah, he's going to get knocked out for sure. And then he just hangs in there and his chin's not as bad as you thought it was. And he's able to uh, just be just out point guys almost. And, um, Again, minus 275 for Tom Aspinall. He doesn't have that many fights. He's looked good in the fights he's had, but he has not fought anyone um, with Arlovsky's experience yet. So, uh, yeah, he's fought. I don't know what you're thinking here. but I kind of, Yeah, I kind of like where you're going with it. I mean, uh, Tom Aspinall, he's fought bombs pretty much. He's looked good doing it, but Total he's fought bombs. bombs. Uh, this is going to be a real good test to see where he's at. Um, you know, guys that beat Andre Arlovsky have, have gone on to, you know, get pretty get bigger fights and and do pretty well in division uh guys that lose to him just kind of wash out so um man i this is a tough one i i i almost like arlowski with the dog money but um you know i yeah it's like he's gonna so tom aspinall he's just been running through guys getting in there making early finishes but arlowski he's gonna you know, do his best to not make, not let that happen. He's been staying on the outside. He's been kind of like over him. Like you just said, he's, he's going in there with a game plan later in his career and um, trying to stay on the outside, not take damage, pick guys apart. And uh, I think, you know, if you see Arlowski get out of this first round or even the first two and a half, even the first half of the first round, uh, he could start to be a problem and, and wear out Aspinall. I think Aspinall might go in there, empty the gas tank early. And if he doesn't get the finish, uh, look for this to be all our Arlovsky, you know? So I think it's either Tom Aspinall coming out and finishing him early or Arlovsky, you know, weathering the onslaught and then, uh, and kind of implementing his game plan, which, uh, you know, tire out Aspinall and, and pick him apart as the fight goes on. So, um, am I super confident in Arlovsky? No, <laughs> not by any means, but, uh, you know, it could be, could be decent value. Um, it, you know, and then on the other side of the coin, we could see Tom Aspinall come out and, and show he is that next level that, that gets past Arlowski and kind of take him out early. It's it's a tough one, but at the current line, I might, I might you know, lean a little bit. I'm not going to be betting, you know, the house on Arlowski or anything, but I might I might put a small bet in on him. Uh, I wouldn't be really like a parlay piece or anything, but I might just uh, throw a little bit, a little bit on Arlowski. Yeah, I like the value a lot. And uh, just, I mean, history... Tanner Bozner, not that long ago, looked like he was going to be – I mean, Dan Hardy thought Tanner Bozner was going to be the next heavyweight champ, and Arlovsky beat him in a decision and, I mean, really dominated the whole fight. And uh, before that, it was Felipe Lins, minus 205 favorite. 
Arlovsky just dominated him the whole fight. It wasn't really close when it went and got went to the judges' hands. Tanner Bozer minus two sixty favorite. Arlovsky just out experienced him. Like you, there's just no replacement for that level of experience. And Tanner Bozer has fought better guys than Tom Aspinall. I don't know if he's better than Tom Aspinall, but he's fought better guys. Again, anything can happen. Like it's not like I'm saying like these guys do these prospects do come come through the system that end up being everything they were meant to be but that first big test is where you see a lot of guys make the slip and if, if Tom Aspinall is going to slip it could easily it would easily be against a fighter like uh Andre Arlovsky so if it does happen it, I could see it happening to a veteran like that but uh that'll that'll do it for our recap as long or re preview as long as you don't got anything else you want to add to that Um, so we'll be back next week to recap this card and, uh, preview the next card, which whatever that is, I have not looked forward that far yet, but, um, we will be back next week. Um, we'll see you all then.